0: It's good to see y'all today. I was going to say, Jeff, if you're back there, thanks for the water. Bring me one of those brisket sandwiches from Rubicon. I'll take that too. (laughs) Anyway, well, you know, the Bible says there's a a time for everything under heaven, a season for everything under heaven. It's football season. (laughs) Yeah, America's team's on right now. And I don't want to hear any cheering or any scores shouted out, okay? So. Anyway, I'll never forget the time the Super Bowl was on and we were in a church in Harrisonburg and they wouldn't let us off for the Super Bowl. We had to go to church. And they were playing the Denver Broncos. And I remember that game just like it was yesterday. And uh, Denver went up by 10 points before we went to church. I thought, oh, man, it's going to be another one of those. And so our uh, guy was on staff with me. He came back and he was giving me the score, like with hand signals. And I'm up front. Because the pastor made us all sit up front with him, and I'm going, he's going. (laughs) So anyway, I don't want any smiles. Don't want anything. We're in a season of revival here at Salem Fields Community Church. You might think, well, I thought revival was last week. You know, uh, a series of meetings. You know, we have a pastor come in and evangelist, and they speak to us, and then he goes home, and revival's over. Well, that's kind of the way we can view revival, except for the fact that uh, revival is not uh, a series of meetings, but revival is something that happens in the hearts and lives of a believer. And we're praying and believing that some good things happened in the hearts and lives of believers last week. And, and so we're going to just keep this season of revival in prayer and hopefully uh, God's going to continue to use us in revival. But what a wonderful week of revival with uh, Steve Wingfield as he uh, shared with us and shared his heart and uh, preached timely messages for us. And I got to tell you, Gay and I, as pastors, we were just kind of filled with joy as we watched people come forward to the altar and and, uh, commit to spiritual growth. And and, and it was awesome to hear Steve when he would say, uh, when he would acknowledge Uh, that people raised their hands for salvation and just to know there were people out there that were accepting Christ. uh, Man, it it was just uh, awesome. And uh, then on the last night when he encouraged all of us who were here to write down four names, four names of people that don't know Jesus and pray for them every day. And then uh, when we get the opportunity to share our story with them and to watch how many people came up to the altar saying, you know what? I'm going to reach four people for Christ. And I was thinking about that. What if all of us would just reach four people for Christ? Uh, what a revival. Uh, that would be an outgrowth of a revival here at Salem Fields Community Church. You know, and all we have to do is share our story. Pray for them and then God will give us an opportunity to share our story. We don't have to know the four spiritual laws. All we have to do is share our story of what God has done in our life and people will be drawn to him. But when I think of revival, I think of the Holy Spirit. I think of the Holy Spirit moving in the lives of believers. That's what revival reminds me of, is the Holy Spirit has moved in the lives of believers. And the Holy Spirit is talked about in the book of Acts as fire. It says, as the disciples gathered in the upper room and they prayed, it said, the Holy Spirit ascended upon them in fire. And they, they were filled with His Spirit and, and they all spoke in different languages that all there could understand. And when I think of the season of revival, I think of, as I said earlier, Christians being on fire for God. I mean lit up and on fire for God. But you know the, the problem with fire is it eventually burns out. You know, it, if you don't add fuel to that fire and you don't tend that fire, it will eventually burn out in our lives. So today I want us to discover and talk about how to keep the fire of the Holy Spirit of revival burning in our hearts. Now speaking of fire, once a year I go on a family camping trip. My dad and I, uh, uh, for 30 years at least, have been going on uh, a family camping trip. Never missed it and 30 years. And my uh, grandson Christian goes, my grandson Jackson, my son-in-law Jason And uh, a few of our very close friends go, and we camp in a tent on the Shenandoah River, and we like it. You know, that's crazy. Uh, Got nice, comfortable beds at home, but we go over on the river and sleep on a tent, and uh, we really enjoy that. Uh, We used to call it a fishing trip. That is, we used to call it a fishing trip until we got old and quit fishing. And now we just sat around the campfire and eat. Now, speaking of campfire, that is my favorite part of our camping trip. Is in the evening we'll light up a fire, uh, and uh, and we'll sit around the campfire, and I mean that's just a time that of, of where it just draws us all together. I mean, uh, we all pull up a chair, we all sit around that campfire most of the day actually, uh, if it's cold, and and we tell stories. We tell story. We've been telling the same stories for 25 years, <laughs> and we laugh at the same stories every year, and uh, you know I. I I can't help to think every year when I leave, I always think, wow, this could be our last year, you know, and because it's such a good time. Always the week before uh, Memorial Day. We used to go on Memorial Day weekend, but there were so many people drunk there that we decided that we would go uh, on the sober weekend, the weekend before Uh Labor Day. But you know what, we would gather around that fire, it would draw the heat and the light of that fire would draw every, draws everybody around that campfire. We all bring our chairs and we sit around that campfire. There's something about a fire that just draws us. You know, you don't see people sitting over in the dark, you know, everybody's around the campfire. And then, you know, we'll sit there, we'll tell those stories and pretty soon the fire will begin to burn low. Now my dad, my dad is a, uh, you think I'm a redneck? My dad is redneck supreme or whatever. <laughs> And uh, Howard, uh, you know Howard that limps around here, Howard goes on that trip with us every year. And Howard is the guy that takes care of the fire. And my dad will say, he he calls him hard. He'll say, hard? What are you going to do, sit there on your butt and let the fire go out? Or something like that. And Howard, he'll struggle up and get up and he'll get his stick out and he'll poke that fire and it'll begin to flame up a little bit and then he'll put some more wood on it and man, pretty soon we got a big old fire. We don't build, we build big fires. You know, you ever heard that story about how a white man builds a big fire and sets way back from it? Indian builds a small fire and sets real close to it. Our fire's been so hot before it's melted the bottom of my shoes. <laughs> and that's five feet from the fire. But you know, there's just something about that campfire. That, that that draws us closer uh, to one another. There's something about the fire of God in our lives that just draw people to us. And you know, it, it, I can't help to think of a campfire, I can't help thinking of our Christian lives a bit like a campfire. You know, uh, when, when we... Uh, we can, we can build fire for God, but but over time, if we don't fan the flame, if we don't fuel the fire to keep it blazing, the fire will begin to burn low. And before you know it, the fire goes out. Our desire to serve God begins to fade. Our, our desire to follow God can waver. You know, our other things begin to take priority. And before we know it, our spiritual fire is out. And we lose our way. I, you know, I can't think, uh, can't, uh, the number of people that I know, I mean, they get, we give our life to Christ and man, we're on fire and we're going to tell everybody. And like a, a year later, you look for them, where they at? You know, the fire has burned out or burned low. And before you know it, we're setting over in the dark by ourselves. You know, we're, we're going to uh, continue our series today's seasons by looking at how to keep the fire of revi- revival burning in our hearts and our church But before we talk about that, I want to share with you a couple things about what some things that will extinguish the fire of God in our lives. Some things that will extinguish that fire of God in our lives. The first one is physical exhaustion. Now, physical exhaustion can be triggered by the lack of exercise. Now, it seems like I'd be up here asleep, actually, if if exercise, you know, because... Uh, I'm allergic to exercise. But anyway, (laughs) exercise, lack of exercise will cause us to be physically exhausted. Uh, Stress and sleeplessness and overloaded schedules can cause physical exhaustion in our lives. And physical exhaustion will cause the fire of God in our lives to burn low. Also, emotional disappointments. Now, emotional disappointments can be caused by having a disappointment with our families. You know, we have family disappointments. We expect something out of our spouse, of our wife, or our, our children, and they disappoint us. And the fire begins to burn low. Or we can, we can have a challenge on the job. Or we can have financial struggles, or, or even the feeling of being let down by God. And all those things lead us to have a sense of failure or a, a self-doubt and worry. Another thing that will extinguish our fire is what I call satanic harassment. Satanic harassment. Now, satanic harassment is the work of Satan, the evil one. And there are evil forces in our world uh, that will urge us to sin, that will, uh, it will cause us to deny God's Word or, or to feel spiritually dead, and it, that uh, satanic harassment will keep us in bondage. To addictions, to spiritual thing uh, uh, things in our life that will cause us to die out to those things. You see, the enemy Satan will whisper little little lies in our ear. You know, like a revival last week. You know, uh, the devil began to whisper in your ear. Ah, that was just a bunch of spiritual gooby gob. It doesn't really mean anything. You know, that's not real. And the Bible says that the devil seeks to devour you. Do you know that there's an enemy, if you're a believer today, there's an enemy that wants to destroy you, wants to take you out. And and that Satan and his little demons plot against Christians. And so there's satanic harassment. Another thing that can extinguish the Holy Spirit's fire is worldly distractions. Worldly distractions can be summed up from 1 John For all these worldly things, these evil desires, the craze for sex, the ambition to buy everything that appeals to you, and the pride that comes from wealth and importance. These are not from God. They are from the evil world itself. Worldly distractions will begin to put your spiritual fire out. And finally, personal sin. Sin will extinguish the Holy Spirit's fire in your life. You know, you, you can't live a life of sin and have a fire burning in you at the same time. Un, Unforgiven sin in your life and have a, have a spiritual fire burning in your life. You see, you know how a worm gets inside of an apple? Anybody know how that? If you weren't here in the first service, you can't answer that. But, but maybe you think the, fir, the worm uh, uh, bores in from the outside. But scientists have discovered that the worm comes from the inside. And you might say, well, how does it get there? Well, an insect lays an egg on an apple blossom. And sometime later, the worm hatches in the heart of the apple, and then it eats its way out. That worm started on the blossom. When the blossom becomes an apple, the worm is on the inside of the apple, and it begins to eat its way out. Now, sin is like the worm. It begins in the heart. And works out through a person's thoughts through our words and our actions and pretty soon our fire is out now in light of these fire extinguishers I want to give you steps to take that will keep your spiritual fire blazing and it's from 2nd Timothy chapter 1 if you have your Bibles and you want to open those and follow along you can do that it'll be on the screen too but Paul's writing a letter uh, to Timothy. He said, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ. Jesus, Christ Jesus, I have been sent out to tell others about the life he has promised through faith in Jesus Christ. Folks, that is what God wants us to do with our lives. is to He wants us to tell others about the life he has promised. I'm writing to Timothy, my dear son, may God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace mercy, and peace. Boy, don't we need grace, mercy, and peace. Encouragement to be faithful, Timothy. I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted. And I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois, and your mother Eunice. I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you, this is key verse. This is why I remind you to fan the flames, the spiritual gift God gave you when He, when I laid hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either. And I'm going to stop there, and you can, you can read the rest of that on your own, and we'll be talking through that just uh, as we go through our sermon. But Paul, in this text, is encouraging Timothy not to allow the fire from God, the fire from God in his soul to go out. But he's saying to Timothy, but rather, fan it into flame. You see, now, the gift, the gift that Timothy received from Paul through the laying on his hands must be fanned into a passion for God and for others. Now the gift is from God, but Timothy must fan it into blaze. Now the scripture points out something very important there. It is our responsibility, it is our responsibility to be on guard to keep the fire of God burning in your life. You know, we like to, we kind of like to put that on somebody else. And say, well, my husband, my wife, you know, the pastor, he, you know, well, if you're, if you're counting on my message to keep your fire burning, man, you better get some new wood. Because, but this spirit, this points out that it's our responsibility to keep the fire burning. During World War II, they say people saying, keep the home fires burning. As men and uh, were fighting on fire and soul. Soil, And Paul is encouraging Timothy to keep the Holy Spirit's fire burning in his life and I'm going to encourage you today to keep the fire of the Holy Spirit, the fire of revival burning in your life. Keep the fire in your life burning for the people on your list of four who don't know Jesus Christ. Keep the fire burning for them. Keep the fire of the Holy Spirit burning in your soul and fight for your husbands and fight for your wives and fight for your children and fight for your church and fight for your community. Fight for Smithfield. That's what we're doing by sending Kelly there. We're fighting for the lives of people in Smithfield, Virginia and fight for people around the world. And that's why we do the Thanksgiving offering. We're fighting for people. That's what God has called us to do the souls of men and women, the souls of students and children in our church and in our community and around the world. And then Timothy talks about the fact of why the, how the faith was passed down. And many of you are believers in Jesus today because you had godly parents. That don't make you a Christian but many of you have had the faith of God passed down by godly parents or godly grandparents or godly uncles or godly aunts and, and, and uncles and, and godly friends who have passed the faith down to you. One of the greatest joys in my life is my daughter that has received the faith and she's passed it to her children. And I've been a part of my grandchildren's faith last night as we were getting ready to come into the celebration service. Wow, we had a great celebration service last night. If you've never been to a celebration service, I don't know why you haven't. It's the best thing we do at Salem Fields Community Church. This is good, I think, but I tell you, our celebration service will light your fire. It's revival itself. You need to show up for that. Goodness sakes, I'm going to start driving over and getting you. I'm going to buy a big old school bus. And I will do like we used to do. I used to go out on school bus. I'd drive this old bus and we'd go out and pick up kids and bring them to church. I'm going to start bringing the parents to church now. But anyway. <laughs> anyway. I, I just, I, I just, uh, my grandson texted me and he said, uh, he said to me, he said, Pappy, pray. I, uh, he was going to a Young Life outreach and he said that there were complications, things that were happening that might keep it from happening. He said, just pray that I could share the gospel with one person. And so I prayed. And I sent him a text later that night, said, hey, how'd it go? Did you get to share the gospel with," with, he's very few words on text. I said, did you get to share the gospel with one person? He wrote, 11. You see... Folks, we need to pass the gospel. We need to pass the message down. It's been passed down to us, and we pass it down by living godly life, keeping the fire of revival. When the fire of revival is burning in your life, it will begin to catch fire in your children's lives, and your children's lives, it will begin to catch fire in your grandchildren's lives. And that's how we keep the gospel message alive, and that's how we say to the world, it's not going to go away. We're going to keep the fire burning. And that's what God has called us at Salem Fields to do is keep the fire of God burning for people who don't know Jesus. I want to encourage you to pass the faith on to your children and grandchildren. You know, I want you to encourage you to pass it on to others in your family, in your community, in our community, your workplace, at sports practice, and everywhere you go. You know how you do that? You have the fire of the Holy Spirit burning in you, and like that campfire that we set around at the river in Luray, Virginia, that draws people in. The fire draws people. You can't go around a fire unless it does kind of draws you in. We were over at the plantation. Uh, man, that money machine over there. What's a uh, plantation? Belvedere. And... Uh, and, they, and they had these, I wish I would have invented that. <laughs> I can tell you that. 150 kids at 17 bucks a piece. Woo, and that's just with six eggs. If you get 12 eggs, it costs you 20. Anyway, it don't matter. It was fun. Uh, but I was drawn to those campfires. They're all over the place and I'd see a campfire and I'm right there. And when we have the fire of the Holy Spirit burning in us, it's going to draw people. People are going to gather around you and they're going to want to be around you because it lights up the place. It lights up a dark world. And, and we need to pass that on. Man, I got to get moving here because I got 22 points. <laughs> but it, it, it must be your aspiration, your desire, not to allow your enthusiasm for the Lord to burn low and not to let it burn low for others, your family, and, and around the world. It, It would do us all good to remember the words of John from Revelation, where it says, I know your deeds that you're neither hot, cold, nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Oh, man, that's a disgusting thought. The Lord would look at my life and be so disgusted at me that he would spit me out. You see, the Bible's telling us Jesus is not real pleased with us when we allow the Holy Spirit's fire to burn low in our lives and we're neither hot nor cold. So let me help you discover from our text today a few things that we can do to keep the spiritual fire burning in our life. The first thing we need to do from our scripture text is to discover and use your spiritual gift. Verse 6, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid hands on you. You see, folks, when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, He gave you, the Holy Spirit moved into your life, and He gave you a spiritual gift. Now, every one of you have a spiritual gift that God has given you. He only gives spiritual gifts to believers. So when the Holy Spirit lives in you, when you receive Christ, you received a spiritual gift. First Peter says each of you should use whatever gift you have received, you have received a gift, you should use whatever gift you receive to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Now Timothy's gift was preaching. And he was a preacher. And his gift of preaching was confirmed when Paul laid hands on him and prayed for him. So Paul encouraged Timothy to flag Fan into flame the gift of his preaching. Now, the Greek word for fan or kindle or stir up means to keep the fire alive, to fan the embers into flame and let them and not let them die out. This was Timothy's challenge. And I want to challenge you to fan into flame your spiritual gift and discover it. If you don't know your spiritual gift, discover it. Or use your spiritual gift. Don't just sit there with the Spirit of God living in you with the spiritual gifts that God has given you and not use it. I don't want to get to heaven and God say, I gave you a spiritual gift and you sit on your butt every week and didn't use it. I don't don't know if he uses butt. But I don't want him to say that to me. I want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I want God to say about me. That's what we want God to say about you. And the best way to discover your spiritual gift is to use it. Just start serving in different places in the church. Go try children's ministers out. Maybe you'll be a great small group leader there. Maybe you'll be a great uh, uh, leader back in the student ministry. Teach Sunday school for the children or teach the lesson, whatever. There's all kinds. And you might get in there and say, wow, I'm I'm called to do children. This is what I love. Our pastor said, why don't you guys just try out some ministry and see what you like? First thing we did was try out children's ministry. We lost seven children that Sunday. And I said, good gracious, I know I'm not called to do children. But I got to tell you, when I started working with teenagers, my heart just caught on fire. It caught on fire. I said, God, I want to do this the rest of my life. Y'all just kids. And i got to tell you, just try it. If you don't like it, just tell Michelle, I don't like it. I'm leaving. Just tell Trent, yeah, that's not for me. Or tell Jason, whoever. But try it out. You say, well, okay. But you can also, there's, there's a class that we do, Class 301. If you want to discover your spiritual gift, there's a test you can take. And it's pretty good. And we teach about spiritual gifts in Class 301. Just sign up. But our prayer for Salem is that each of us will seek to keep and capture the passion and enthusiasm of the, uh, and fan and the flame our spiritual gift. Paul writes about that fire and that passion in, in Romans uh, when he talks about, this is almost used this passage this week, he says, "Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer, share with God's people who are in need, practice hospitality. And we do that by serving the Lord. So fan the flame of your spiritual life by discovering using your spiritual gift. Now that's the longest one of them all, okay? Now keep your spiritual fire burning by putting your confidence in God's power and God's resources. The Bible says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Now, it seems that Timothy lacked confidence. What it seems to me when I read this passage of Scripture is the fire is burning low in Timothy's life. Because he had a lack of confidence, and this brought fear into his life and ministry. And when we're anxious and we're fearful, we'll begin to not put our focus on God's power, but we'll begin to put our focus on ourselves. Because fear and worry is not focusing on God. When we have fear and worry in our life, we're not focusing on God's power, we're focusing on us. And we need to learn to focus as believers on God. And that God has the resources. God has it all available. It's not up to us. It's not up to our resources. God has given you a spiritual gift, and He will give you the power and the resources to use it. You see, the Scripture says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. It's God's power that enables us to serve Him. It's God's love that enables us to minister caringly. And it's God's wisdom that enables us to minister wisely. All these are God's resources. Available for us through the power of God's Holy Spirit living in us. We also need to live a holy life. We need to live a holy life to keep the fire burning. The Bible says, for God saved us and called us. That's all of us. Now this is God. For God saved us and he called us, why? To live a holy life. To live a holy life he did this why not because we deserved it but because that was his plan before the beginning of time to show us his grace through christ jesus and then first thessalonians 4 7 says god has called us to live holy lives not impure lives and we can only live a holy life through the power of the holy spirit burning and living in our lives now living a holy life doesn't mean that we'll never make another mistake in our life. Doesn't mean we'll never mess up again. It's about surrendering your heart to God. It's about surrendering your heart to God, being set apart. God sets us apart. When we surrender, God sanctifies our heart. That's the theological term. He sanctifies our heart, and he sets us apart for his service. He sets us apart to be used of God. He sets us apart so he can use us. And we become sensitive to him and his leading in our lives. And we have the power to follow him. And we don't have the power. He didn't give us a, a, a spirit of fear, but a power that wherever God leads, we're willing to go. Whatever God wants for my life, I'm willing to go. Whatever God wants me to do with my life, I'm willing to do that with my life. And next, we need to trust God completely. Verse 12, Paul makes it very clear when he says, that is why I'm suffering here in prison. But he says, I am not ashamed of it, for I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. Paul knew for sure that whatever happened in his life, whatever went on, there was nothing to worry about. His life, and his ministry was in God's hands. And I want to tell you today that if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, I can tell you this if you've surrendered your heart to God and he has called you and set you apart for his service, I can promise you without doubt, with years and years of experience, that I can tell you that you are in God's hands. And, and you can be certain that you are in his hands. God has called you to do ministry and he has promised if you will trust him completely, that he will be there with you. And you can trust him. You can trust him. So to keep the fire burning, put your trust completely in him and be willing to suffer. Be willing to suffer. Now we're getting into the stuff. Suffering. All that other stuff is pretty good stuff. But you start talking about suffering, count me out. Look at verse 11, the beginning of verse 12. And God chose me to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of this good news. He said, that is why I am suffering here in prison. Now, Paul never forgot, and you must never forget, that God has given you a spiritual gift. He has appointed you and gifted, uh, he had appointed and gifted Paul uh, as a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And no matter what happened to Paul, He would would never stop declaring that that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life, and he taught people that no man come to the Father except through him, and he never stopped preaching that, no matter what he went through. Paul faithfully fulfilled his call and purpose, even though he suffered. Paul suffered persecution, imprisonment, hostility, uh, brutality, and loneliness, and on and on and on, and I got to say that I believe we as Christians in America are a bit soft we are a bit soft. We, we've come to believe that, that this Christian life is all good and all this and we're not supposed to suffer. And the church has been responsible for that in ways. We've preached this gospel. Sometimes that you would think, wow, if I just accept Jesus, my life will be all peaches and cream." But it's not true. we become a bit soft. If you think we haven't become a bit soft, just go with our dear brother and sister, brother James and sister Charity back to Nigeria and find out how you live a Christian life. Because every time I go there, I realize how soft I am. And how they have decided that no matter what, they will follow God. They will follow God pray for James and Charity. He just told us this week he's been in, in Houston trying to get some doctor's Point The doctor just told him his body is rejecting his hip replacement and he doesn't have the thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars he needs to take care of that. So pray for them that God will give them wisdom. But Paul knew that suffering was to be one with Jesus. And i got to tell you, If you're a Christian and you decide that you're going to surrender your life to Him and completely trust God with your whole life, I'm going to tell you on the authority of 30 years in the ministry that you're going to suffer. There are going to be times that you suffer. But when we're suffering, think of this. We are one with Jesus Christ when we're suffering. We're one with Him. We're right there with Him. And it's part of the Christian life. Next, fully embrace God's Word. The Bible says, hold on to the pattern of a wholesome teaching you learned from me, a pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. Carefully guard, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. And one of the greatest fuels to our passion and fire for God is His Word. And I can tell you, if your fire's gone out, I can tell you what I can promise you, you're not in the Word of God. You're not in the Word of God. That's one sign I always say. Fire's burning low. First thing you have to ask them are you praying, reading your Bible? Well, no. Well, then start reading your Bible. Start praying. Begin to fan in the flame. Begin to fan in the flame the Word of God in your life. If your spiritual fire is burning low, read and obey His Word and do it every day. The Hebrews said, Let us run the race looking unto Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith. And so, we look into the Word and we keep our eyes on Jesus and then we will keep fanning the spiritual fire within us. Next, hang out with godly friends. Paul says, may the Lord show special kindness to, oh man, this name always messes me up, Hath once a us. Now, think of that. How would you like your mom to name you that? <laughs> I mean, my mom named me Herman. And I always think, mom, didn't you love me when I was born? Name me Herman. I mean, here I am, laying in her arms, and she says, Herman. <laughs> 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 well, think of this poor dude. <laughs> One Safaris. <laughs> Mama loves you. <laughs> <laughs> And all his family, because he often visited and encouraged me. He was never ashamed of me because I was in chains. When he came to Rome, he searched everywhere until he found me. Now you know why I'm named Buddy. May the Lord show him special kindness on the day of Christ's return. And you know very well how helpful he was in Ephesus. There's always, folks, there's always going to be joy suckers in your life. You know that? There are people that when you say, you know what, I'm going to serve God, I'm going to go all the way with God, I'm going to do this for God, there's going to be a joy sucker that's going to come and tell you, you're an idiot. You are not going to do that. Do you really believe in God? Do you think, I mean, and they're going to be joy suckers. I see joy suckers all the time. I've seen, I've been in a grocery store. You know what I do when I see a joy sucker? I head for a different aisle. Because I no way. Because I know as soon as I talk to them, they're going to tell me the music was too loud. It's not a you. It's not of you. <laughs> they all go on Saturday night. <laughs> we turn the music way down there. I'm just kidding about that. But, you know, you do. How many of you have ever hid in the grocery store when you see somebody? That's right. The first service, they lied. <laughs> but I see a joy sucker coming. I think, oh, No. They're going to suck the joy right out of me. They're going to tell me something they don't like about me, something they don't like about my wife, my kids, my church. You know, are they going to tell me I can't do it, you're an idiot? And they tell me I'm an idiot. I already know that. It's no big deal to me. So you will always have joy suckers. They will try to tear you down by their words and actions. They will try to extinguish the fire and your passion to serve God and to reach the people on your list if you will allow them to. So therefore, we need to be with people who will encourage us. And who will, uh, who will encourage us, inspire, inspire us to serve God and reach others? We all need people around us who will come alongside of us and help us keep the fire of God burning in our lives. And that's why you need to be in a small group. If you're not in a small group, you need to get your little card out and sign up for a small group today because healthy small groups can be a source of encouragement and keep you uh, an inspiration when your fire begins to burn low. Finally, let me remind you of one final thing. Stand firm. Stand firm. Stand firm. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. The Bible says when you've done when you've done all that you can to stand firm, you know what you do? Stand firm. And you know what you've done when all you can do, all you've done is to stand firm? Stand firm. He said, let nothing move you. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So in closing, I just want to encourage you to keep your eye on your fire. Don't worry about my fire. Don't worry about your neighbor's fire. Don't worry about your wife's fire. You keep your eye on your fire and I guarantee you one day your husband's fire is going to be burning. You keep your eye on your fire, you keep it blazing, and you fan it into flame, and one day your children's fire is going to be burning. And your grandchildren, and your workplace, and your community will be burning. If you keep your eye on your fire, don't worry about my fire, that's my responsibility. You see, you'll know a fire is burning in your soul when you can't keep quiet about God. When you just gotta share what God is doing in your life. And you'll begin to realize when your fire is burning that you got a boldness you never thought you had to speak and to do and speak what God leads you to do and say. And you'll experience God's power as you begin to reach out. You say, I can't reach out to people. If you keep your fire burning, you'll reach out to people who don't know Jesus. And you'll begin to see a change in their lives, but more significantly, you'll see a change in your life as you keep your fire burning for God. Now, if you remember back during our rebuild campaign uh, back in March, one of the things we said we're going to do is going to rebuild as a church was our passion for lost people. And I think we've lost our focus and our passion. God has called Salem Fields Community Church to reach lost people. I mean, that, that's really, you know, we do a lot of things here, but all that we do, we do it because we, leave, we believe there are people out there dying and go to hell. And if we could just provide something that's an alternative to hell, which is Jesus Christ, that God is what God is using, calling us to do with our lives. And so we're going to rebuild our passion. And one of the ways we're going to do that is praying for people who don't know Jesus yet. Do you know that there are 60,000 people, this has been five or six years ago, there's probably more now, that, uh, that are, live within six miles of Salem fields. I drove it. I have drove six miles that way. I drove six miles that way. I drove six miles that way into the river. And I drove six miles that way. And there's lost people everywhere. People who don't know Jesus Christ. And if the Lord would come tonight or they would die tonight, they would spend eternity in hell. Because I believe if they don't know Jesus, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And he's the only way in a world that tells you there's every way. Folks, there is one way. And we know the way. We know the way. So we're going to pray for them. So we have these little candles right here. Now, that's just a little old candle. They would have been bigger candles, but I didn't get inspired to do this until Thursday evening, and and it was too late to get them. Even Amazon Prime wouldn't ship them. Think of that. $100, and they wouldn't ship them. That's how they get out of it, I guess. Anyway, this little candle, we want you to take this little candle this week, and if you take this little candle this week, you come back next week, we're going to have bigger candles here. But what did you do this week on Wednesday night, all of us? That want to reach lost people. want to keep your fire burning so we can light a fire in somebody else's life. I want you to take this little candle, and we want you to put it in your front window, and we want you to light it. And we want you to spend 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes praying for your four people, for your neighbors, for your coworkers. You don't pray for their sore toes, okay? You don't pray for their appendix coming out. You pray for their soul. You pray for their salvation you pray for that and we believe God's gonna light a fire in your heart and their neighbors gonna say what in the heck's that candle burning over there for every Wednesday night because my neighbors on my list and you say you know what I'm just praying for just praying for people to come to know Jesus and I believe God will do that he'll use that little fire in your window as a reminder to pray every Wednesday night I don't care what time. I'd like for us to all say we do it at the same time, but we've got schedules that don't work that way. But sometime Wednesday evening, Gay and I are going to put this candle in our window. We did this a long time ago. And we're going to pray for people who don't know Jesus. Will you join us? Will you join us? We've got to reach this community. Folks, look around you at all the empty chairs. It shouldn't be that way. And we got them stocked up there out the yin gang back in the back. we got more chairs that we can bring out. But the only way we're going to do that is we keep that fire burning in our hearts so that we can light a fire in somebody else's life where they'll be drawn to us. They'll be drawn to us. Fire draws people. And God's called us to do that, all of us. Online, get your own candle. (laughs) 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 Or come to church and get one next week. (laughs) Well, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Okay, we're going to worship together. You can come get your candle. Gays, go come and pray for us.